Welcome to Forward Focus. My name is McLean Bryant-Macklin. I'm the Director of Policy and Strategic Initiatives for the Health Forward Foundation. This third episode is particularly near and dear to my heart. We will hear from Angela Seifer, the Executive Director of the National Digital Inclusion Alliance, as well as David Jordan, President and CEO of the United Methodist Health Ministries Fund in this episode. Both of these individuals go deep on these issues on the state and federal levels. I'd like to start things off with a little context before talking with our guests because Kansas City's history on these issues is deeper than most. The work around digital equity in Kansas City started back in 2012 when Google Fiber made us the first fiber city in the world. But with that came early recognition of the divide. There were many neighborhoods in Kansas City that were slow or even declined to sign up for fiber connectivity. And it begged the question, why? Why would someone not sign up for internet at the highest speeds at that time on the globe? The why is the digital divide. The divide is the distinction between those who have access, can afford without sacrifice, and fully appreciate the benefits of high-speed internet and those that for one reason or another don't. A coalition formed in Kansas City almost a decade ago to attack these issues. Organizations like the various municipalities, libraries, and school districts in the region, as well as organizations like KC Digital Drive and Surplus Exchange, banded together to resolve the divide at all ends. From our coalition was birthed the National Digital Inclusion Alliance, which works to advocate for policy changes at all levels of government to narrow the divide. While I've been engaged in this work for nearly 10 years and this issue isn't new, there has been more attention on the divide this last year than ever before. The pandemic ushered us all into a heightened dependence on digital connectivity. High-speed internet is now necessary for nearly every aspect of our lives. Some of us, though, were better equipped than others. E-learning, remote work, civic engagement, social interaction, and the purchase of goods and services all went online last March far more than ever before and remain largely so today. The provision of health also switched to mostly digital at the start of the pandemic. And while neither the divide nor telehealth are new, what is new is the attention that both of these issues are now getting, which creates an opportunity for policy change and philanthropic corporate and government investments into ensuring there is both digital equity and by extension telehealth equity. This opportunity is why Health Forward has chosen to squarely focus on both issues in our policy agenda. Our rationale is this. Telehealth equity is necessary so that everyone has access to the conveniences that telemedicine provides. Telehealth equity is also necessary so that those in our service area and beyond have access to the equipment and necessary connectivity for virtual doctor's visits. As things stand, there are many in our urban communities and rural communities that lack adequate access and connectivity for remote doctor's visits. These same communities are often great distances from doctors or specialists, some 16 miles in many urban communities and 60 miles in most rural communities on average. Telehealth equity would take away the need for these folks to drive these great distances to medical care, to take off from work, or to find childcare to see a doctor, all of which pose significant barriers to health in low-income communities. So let's get right to it and hear from our guests about these issues and what we can do about them. Hey, I'm Angela Seifer, Executive Director of the National Digital Inclusion Alliance. I live in Columbus, Ohio. We represent community-based organizations working on digital inclusion across the country. 
Hi, I'm David Jordan, the President and CEO of the United Methodist Health Ministry Fund, and we're a health foundation that works to improve the health of all Kansans. I'm so happy to be speaking with the both of you today. I, I really couldn't think of two better people uh, and perspectives uh, to include in this conversation and that folks should be aware of. Uh, we wanted to speak with the both of you in particular, uh, Angela, to get a national perspective, uh, as well as you, David, to get a closer to home perspective on digital equity, particularly as it relates to our health. Uh, Angela, we have uh, all heard a lot more about digital equity in this last year. Uh, and if we're trying to make lemonade out of lemons of this pandemic situation, uh, I know that those of us who work in this space are, are grateful that the pandemic has shed some light on digital equity. Uh, but this is not a new issue. Can you give us a bit of history on the digital divide and the work toward digital equity, the three-legged stool, as I've heard it described uh, for our listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. So the digital divide has been around basically since there's been technology. Right. Some have access to it and some don't. And as the technology changes and the necessity of the technology changes, who has access to those different technologies matters. Uh, and so in the past, we would think about it more as who has access to a computer, who can go to a library to maybe create a resume. But now that's changing. And the question is, who has Internet in the home? Who has digital literacy skills in order to make use of that access? And, and having the right device, right? It's not just about having a mobile phone. We need a lot more than that if we're going to be successful today. And, and so that has, it has changed over time. And what happened during the pandemic is that folks were like, oh, this is a problem, <laughs> right? So it was always there, but that awareness changed. And as you said, it very much is, you know, lemonade out of lemons kind of situation. Because now that more folks understand those of us who've been advocating for it don't spend as much time describing the why is this important. Now we can get to solutions. Thank you for that. Uh, and Angela and David, uh, we appreciate either of your opinions or both of your opinions on this. Uh, more recently, digital equity has been described as the super social determinant of health because of how it impacts all the social influencers of health that lead to health outcomes. Can you each talk about from your perspectives why this is so? We live in a world where folks are dependent on technology um, to help access things like healthcare, to help locate um, places to get food, to help live their everyday lives, so to help I help find jobs. So we're reliant on technology, um, and knowing that you know these systems of access to good jobs, access to learning, learning is especially during the pandemics pandemic so much more reliant on technology. Um, access to behavioral health services, all of these things are going to determine our health. And um, they're all dependent on having a high quality internet connection, the right devices, the competency to use the and access the services. So, you know, it's we're really seeing the reliance on um, technology and digital digital equity being critical to health outcomes and really and really being characterized as the way you suggested as a super determinant. Can I suggest that the other social determinants of health are also reliant upon technology, right? So housing is a social determinant of health. Well, how do you find housing if you don't have the internet, right? You're driving around looking for available housing. No, people don't do that anymore. You don't look in the newspaper, you look online. So how do you find your housing if you're not online? Thank you. I, I think it, you know, it's critically important for folks to understand how all of this is just so intermeshed and intertwined 
in terms of our near complete reliance on uh, digital access to perform uh, just daily activities anymore. Everything is increasingly uh, virtual, whether it's our social interactions, civic engagement was largely online during the pandemic when folks were having to participate in public hearings online. And so there's there's no way to function in the 21st century economy absent digital access. And David, uh, you know, just speaking about this intertwinement between digital equity and telehealth more specifically, as, as digital equity is necessary for people to avail themselves of the conveniences of telehealth uh, and healthcare, um, and, and will become increasingly so uh, into the future. Uh, can you talk to us more about how these two are related, telehealth and digital equity? Well, I think the pandemic really um, helped us better understand the connections between uh, telehealth and digital equity and also sort of laid bare some of the disparities that exist. Um, you know, I think a lot of policy barriers that were preventing folks from accessing telehealth as a way to help better help them better meet their healthcare needs um, went away during the pandemic. And that was exciting. We saw um, reimbursement at the same rates for telehealth visits and in-person visits. We saw the ability of patients to access care from their homes without having to go to a, a distant site to access healthcare. We saw them being able to access telehealth via devices that work for them versus um, devices with very sort of burdensome requirements as to what passes muster and what doesn't. Um, and now as a result, we see huge support for this flexibility to access healthcare in a way that makes sense for consumers. So all of that's really critical to making sure folks have access to telehealth. However, we also see, continue to see some challenges in folks accessing telehealth. And this is where we need to be aware of this, um, this these challenges that exist in terms of making sure folks um, have access to the right de the devices to make sure that they know how to use the technology platforms and that they're set up in houses to make sure folks can access programs that they might be eligible to participate in for and that the consumer assistant exists there and to make sure that there's culturally appropriate and language appropriate services to access those platforms. So I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for telehealth to, um, to, address disparities that may exist, but we also need to be conscious of some of the issues that are driving the disparities to begin with, the cultural competence related to care, the cultural competence related to the coordination of care and services, and making sure that there's consumer assistance and infrastructure that exists to make this all possible. Um, I think that there's an enormous amount of energy there. We need to make sure that not only are we talking about making sure this works for providers and some consumers, but it works for all consumers. And we need to pay attention to things like the you know care coordinators in the workforce. We need to pay attention to broadband access and affordability. We need to make sure we pay attention to um, consumer assistance to help enroll folks in programs. I think there's a lot of good lessons learned. We just need to heed them. And Angela, I know that um, the the uh, interrelatedness of telehealth and digital equity is also something that's of, of national conversation as well. So just invite you to add any thoughts you might have in addition to David's. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the same populations are being hit with lack of access to health care and lack of digital services. So if you if you're having this challenge in both places, 
And someone is like, well, you know, you, we could just get you on a telehealth appointment. And you're like, well, I don't have technology. And um, I'm not sure I even trust you. <laughs> really? Like there's all kinds of reasons why somebody would be not wanting to um, participate in their the healthcare options that we think makes sense. And that comes to the cultural competency, right? It gets into all of the historical inequities that exist in too many of our communities. And so we have to go at it with that lens of poverty and that lens of racial equity uh, that has been an issue, you know, for forever, really. I, I totally appreciate that. And I, you know, I hate to um, be positive about the pandemic at all. Uh, because it's been such a challenging um, situation for so many. Uh, but I am relieved that um, there's finally the level of attention on digital equity uh, that it warrants. And uh wanted to ask you both, because I know you're both deeply steeped in this work. There is much policy work to be done in this space to advance toward the goal of equity, starting you with you, Angela, on the national level, and then you, David, on the state level. What are some of the necessary policy changes in this space that are underway or necessary for a future in which everyone has equitable access to the digital economy, digital learning and engagement, and digital health? It is really exciting to see in the discussion of an infrastructure plan that there be funding in that infrastructure work that includes broadband. And so I think that's that's a big change, right? That's definitely the pandemic thing, you know. Thank you, pandemic. I don't know, right. As you said, it's very weird to, to be in that situation, but it has drawn attention. And so we now have policymakers talking about how it is we're going to get everybody access to broadband. And the big shift that's also occurred is that the focus is no longer solely on building it and they will come. But it's yes, we need to build it and we need to make sure folks adopt it. And that adoption piece means addressing affordability barriers. Right now we have an emergency broadband benefit starts up soon. Uh, and we're talking about, we, someone, policymakers, <laughs> is talking about the idea of a um, a permanent broadband benefit where those who do not have access to the internet because they can't afford it would be able to get that support. And that doesn't exist right now in the United States. The other big barrier that's being finally talked about is that digital literacy, personal support type of barrier. So internet is confusing, signing up for the internet is confusing, technology is confusing. Who does one turn to for advice on that? Some of us have folks in our lives that are those people to us. But if you don't have someone in your life who is that, who do you turn to? There's definitely not an Apple store on the corner in a low-income neighborhood. So where are you going when you have a question? And what we're talking about now nationally, and we're seeing it locally happening, is let's find solutions to these questions. All right, David, uh, more on the uh, uh, state and local perspective. Sorry that I dropped off the the interview. I Believe it or not, I had challenges with my internet and broadband connection. And, uh, you know, like many in rural Kansas, um, it, we don't always have the best access to the most reliable internet. The pandemic really helped us um, move the move what's possible from thinking telehealth was the thing of the future to actually making it possible in the present. Um, because of the policy changes related to telehealth during the pandemic, we saw barriers such as the ability to pay for telehealth visits at the same rate as in-person and telehealth um, go away. So now payments were made at the same rate. 
We saw devices being used um, that worked for patients. Uh, we saw patients being able to access services in locations that worked for them. And we've seen broad support for telehealth as a, as a result. For many years, telehealth w- was promised to be the next um, great thing in healthcare. However, adoption was very slow. Um, pre-pandemic, just 11% of folks nationally had used telehealth. However, a- after the pandemic, uh, we found that 48% of Kansans had used telehealth. These policy changes led to remarkable growth in the use of telehealth. Um, and we saw this across rural communities, across urban communities. However, we also need to be mindful of how different communities of color are accessing telehealth. In the poll that we did, it showed that um, Black Kansans access telehealth services at a much higher rate than Hispanic Kansans. 62% of Black Kansans uh, access telehealth over the last year, whereas just 38% of Hispanic um, Kansans did. So I think we need to be mindful of that um, and to continue to reduce as many barriers to telehealth and uh, digital um, services as we can, because we need to make sure that we're not exacerbating the digital divide. Um, Also central to um, maintaining, expanding telehealth usage is maintaining, uh, well, expanding access to um, digital, the digital platforms to begin with. And I think this goes to some of the issues that have already been highlighted. So how do we make sure that there's adequate broadband infrastructure and uh, and programs that make it easier for folks to pay for um, broadband services? How do we make sure people have access to care coordination services and culturally competent providers to access services and uh, both healthcare services and other services? And how do we make sure there's consumer assistance programs out there to help folks um, enroll in available programs? And I, I know there's also a lot to do on the literacy front. And a related question uh, to the previous one, and, and, and a question I think is actually most important uh, for the conversation today. What can our listeners, our grantees, partner organizations, policymakers even, um, um, do to be helpful in this space and to advance digital equity? So just talking about the situation is really helpful, right? Because there's a lack of understanding in the healthcare industry, like sometimes um, colleagues will notice tweets and other things where doctors are like, well, everybody has internet, so we can do this new cool thing that we want to do. And that just breaks my heart because there's, it's not that they're intentionally leaving people out. It's that they just don't really know that not everybody has access because you, you think we all do this, right? We think of the world as our world. So the folks that we spend time with, folks I spend time with, you know, day to day, they tend to have internet. So everybody else has internet, right? They have digital skills. So everybody else has digital skills. We don't think about how it's different for other populations always. So I think having those conversations is really important. That's important to the advocacy, but it's also talking to our policymakers so that they understand what's happening in those, these local programs. And I encourage folks to look at the resources we have at digitalinclusion.org one of which is a digital navigator model. We put it all up there for folks to just take and run with. And it's the idea that there be someone in the community who's trusted, who understands what the options are for a low-cost broadband or a subsidized broadband option, what the digital literacy skill options are in town. Is the library doing anything? Is the senior center doing anything? Who's running these programs? Who has one-on-one kind of support? Can you walk in the library and have somebody help you with whatever it is you have a question with? And then where can the devices come from? So this digital navigator knows the answers to these questions 
and can help a community member through them. And we've seen some really creative uh, programs being set up right now where it is in partnership with those health institutions, right? So that the needs of that health institution are being met because their needs are to make sure that their clients, their patients are getting the full service that they can. And so by meshing these issues, those patients do get more service. Thank you. David? You know, I I think echoing a lot of what's been said is important. I think we need um, consumers to tell their story about how accessing telehealth worked for them and also challenges that they faced in accessing telehealth. I think we need to understand this. So as foundations and um, advocacy and research partners, we can help lift up those stories because we need to create a feedback loop to be improving how folks are accessing digital services and telehealth. Um, it's critical to um, folks' overall health, as we sort of talked about earlier. I think that we also just need to be conscious of just because we build it, it doesn't mean people will come. Just because there's free devices doesn't mean people can access them. Just because there's a, a, a program that helps provide affordable um, access to uh, digital services and broadband, it doesn't mean people know how to access it or can access it. So we need to make sure we're investing in um, systems and workforce that's culturally competent, that provides hands-on services, that does the navigation work um, that's been identified. That's really critical work. Um, and we also obviously need to be involved in these policy discussions with lawmakers. They need to understand that um, these policies that were in place pre-pandemic actually are a barrier to folks not just accessing um, telehealth, but ac- accessing um, services in an equitable way. And that should be that should be how we center our work. Thank you so much for uh, spending some of your time with us today and shedding light on this very important issue of digital equity and, and telehealth equity. This is a space where Health Forward intends to be increasingly active because digital equity is that super social determinant of health. And we appreciate you for helping us to raise awareness on this issue. I would love for everyone to think about their role in the idea of digital equity. And so for an organization that already touches low-income households, how can you address their lack of access in order to help them not only reach the healthcare that they need, but all those other social determinants of health, housing, education, et cetera. You've been listening to Forward Focus from Health Forward Foundation. Thank you to our guests, Angela Seifer with the National Digital Inclusion Alliance and David Jordan with the United Methodist Health Ministry Fund. If you like this episode or want to share an idea, send an email to communications at healthforward.org or find us on Twitter at healthforwardkc. Thank you for listening.